Chapter One of Book One of On the Heavens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. On the Heavens by Aristotle. Translated by J. L. Stocks. Chapter one the science which has to do with nature clearly concerns itself for the most part with bodies and magnitudes and their properties and movements but also with the principles of this sort of substance as many as they may be for of things constituted by nature some are bodies and magnitudes some possess body and magnitude and some are principles of things which possess these now a continuum is that which is divisible into parts always capable of subdivision and a body is that which is every way divisible a magnitude if divisible one way is a line if two ways a surface and if three a body beyond these there is no other magnitude because the three dimensions are all that there are and that which is divisible in three directions is divisible in all for as the pythagoreans say the world and all that is in it is determined by the number three since beginning and middle and end give the number of n quotes all and the number they give is the triad and so having taken these three from nature as so to speak laws of it we make further use of the number three in the worship of the gods further we use the terms in practice in this way of two things or men we say quotes, both but not quotes, all three is the first number to which the term quotes, all has been appropriated and in this as we have said we do but follow the lead which nature gives therefore since quotes, every and quotes, all and quotes, complete do not differ from one another in respect of form but only if at all in their matter and in that to which they are applied body alone among magnitudes can be complete for it alone is determined by the three dimensions that is is an quotes, all but if it is divisible in three dimensions it is every way divisible while the other magnitudes are divisible in one dimension or in two alone for the divisibility and continuity of magnitudes depend upon the number of the dimensions one sort being continuous in one direction another in two another in all all magnitudes then which are divisible are also continuous whether we can also say that whatever is continuous is divisible does not yet on our present grounds appear one thing however is clear we cannot pass beyond body to a further kind as we passed from length to surface and from surface to body for if we could it would cease to be true that body is complete magnitude we could pass beyond it only in virtue of a defect in it and that which is complete cannot be defective since it has being in every respect now bodies which are classed as parts of the whole are each complete according to our formula since each possesses every dimension but each is determined relatively to that part which is next to it by contact 
for which reason each of them is in a sense many bodies but the whole of which they are parts must necessarily be complete and thus in accordance with the meaning of the word have being not in some respects only but in every respect chapter two the question as to the nature of the whole whether it is infinite in size or limited in its total mass is a matter for subsequent inquiry we will now speak of those parts of the whole which are specifically distinct let us take this as our starting point all natural bodies and magnitudes we hold to be as such capable of locomotion for nature we say is their principle of movement but all movement that is in place all locomotion as we term it is either straight or circular or a combination of these two which are the only simple movements and the reason of this is that these two the straight and the circular line are the only simple magnitudes now revolution about the centre is circular motion while the upward and downward movements are in a straight line quotes upward meaning motion away from the centre and quotes downward motion towards it all simple motion then must be motion either away from or towards or about the centre this seems to be in exact accord with what we said above as body found its completion in three dimensions so its movement completes itself in three forms bodies are either simple or compounded of such and by simple bodies i mean those which possess a principle of movement in their own nature such as fire and earth with their kinds and whatever is akin to them necessarily then movements also will be either simple or in some sort compound simple in the case of the simple bodies compound in that of the composite and in the latter case the motion will be that of the simple body which prevails in the composition supposing then that there is such a thing as simple movement and that circular movement is an instance of it and that both movement of a simple body is simple and simple movement is of a simple body for if it is movement of a compound it will be in virtue of a prevailing simple element then there must necessarily be some simple body which revolves naturally and in virtue of its own nature with a circular movement by constraint of course it may be brought to move with the motion of something else different from itself but it cannot so move naturally since there is one sort of movement natural to each of the simple bodies again if the unnatural movement is the contrary of the natural and a thing can have no more than one contrary it will follow that circular movement being a simple motion must be unnatural if it is not natural to the body moved if then one the body whose movement is circular is fire or some other element its natural motion must be the contrary of the circular motion but a single thing has a single contrary and upward and downward motion are the contraries of one another if on the other hand two the body moving with the circular motion which is unnatural to it is something different from the elements there will be some other motion which is natural to it but this cannot be for if the natural motion is upward it will be fire or air and if downward 
water or earth further this circular motion is necessarily primary for the perfect is naturally prior to the imperfect and the circle is a perfect thing this cannot be said of any straight line not of an infinite line for if it were perfect it would have a limit and an end nor of any finite line for in every case there is something beyond it since any finite line can be extended and so since the prior movement belongs to the body which is naturally prior and circular movement is prior to straight and movement in a straight line belongs to simple bodies fire moving straight upward and earthy bodies straight downward towards the centre since this is so it follows that circular movement also must be the movement of some simple body for the movement of composite bodies is as we said determined by that simple body which preponderates in the composition these premises clearly give the conclusion that there is in nature some bodily substance other than the formations we know prior to them all and more divine than they but it may also be proved as follows we may take it that all movement is either natural or unnatural and that the movement which is unnatural to one body is natural to another as for instance is the case with the upward and downward movements which are natural and unnatural to fire and earth respectively it necessarily follows that circular movement being unnatural to these bodies is the natural movement of some other further if on the one hand circular movement is natural to something it must surely be some simple and primary body which is ordained to move with a natural circular motion as fire is ordained to fly up and earth down if on the other hand the movement of the rotating bodies about the centre is unnatural it would be remarkable and indeed quite inconceivable that this movement alone should be continuous and eternal being nevertheless contrary to nature at any rate the evidence of all other cases goes to show that it is the unnatural which quickest passes away and so if as some say the body so moved is fire this movement is just as unnatural to it as downward movement for any one can see that fire moves in a straight line away from the centre on all these grounds therefore we may infer with confidence that there is something beyond the bodies that are about us on this earth different and separate from them and that the superior glory of its nature is proportionate to its distance from this world of ours chapter three in consequence of what has been said in part by way of assumption and in part by way of proof it is clear that not every body either possesses lightness or heaviness as a preliminary we must explain in what sense we are using the words quotes, heavy and quotes, light sufficiently at least for our present purpose we can examine the terms more closely later when we come to consider their essential nature let us then apply the term quotes, heavy to that which naturally moves towards the centre and quotes light to that which moves naturally away from the centre the heaviest thing will be that which sinks to the bottom of all things that move downward and the lightest that which rises to the surface of everything that moves upward now necessarily everything which moves either up or down possesses lightness or heaviness or both 
but not both relatively to the same thing for things are heavy and light relatively to one another air for instance is light relatively to water and water light relatively to earth the body then which moves in a circle cannot possibly possess either heaviness or lightness for neither naturally nor unnaturally can it move either towards or away from the centre movement in a straight line certainly does not belong to it naturally since one sort of movement is as we saw appropriate to each simple body and so we should be compelled to identify it with one of the bodies which move in this way suppose then that the movement is unnatural in that case if it is the downward movement which is unnatural the upward movement will be natural and if it is the upward which is unnatural the downward will be natural for we decided that of contrary movements if the one is unnatural to anything the other will be natural to it but since the natural movement of the whole and of its part of earth for instance as a whole and of a small clod have one and the same direction it results in the first place that this body can possess no lightness or heaviness at all for that would mean that it could move by its own nature either from or towards the centre which as we know is impossible and secondly that it cannot possibly move in the way of locomotion by being forced violently aside in an upward or downward direction for neither naturally nor unnaturally can it move with any other motion but its own either itself or any part of it since the reasoning which applies to the whole applies also to the part it is equally reasonable to assume that this body will be ungenerated and indestructible and exempt from increase and alteration since everything that comes to be comes into being from its contrary and in some substrate and passes away likewise in a substrate by the action of the contrary into the contrary as we explained in our opening discussions now the motions of contraries are contrary if then this body can have no contrary because there can be no contrary motion to the circular nature seems justly to have exempted from contraries the body which was to be ungenerated and indestructible for it is in contraries that generation and decay subsist again that which is subject to increase increases upon contact with a kindred body which is resolved into its matter but there is nothing out of which this body can have been generated and if it is exempt from increase and diminution the same reasoning leads us to suppose that it is also unalterable for alteration is movement in respect of quality and qualitative states and dispositions such as health and disease do not come into being without changes of properties but all natural bodies which change their properties we see to be subject without exception to increase and diminution this is the case for instance with the bodies of animals and their parts and with vegetable bodies and similarly also with those of the elements and so if the body which moves with a circular motion cannot admit of increase or diminution it is reasonable to suppose that it is also unalterable the reasons why the primary body is eternal and not subject to increase or diminution but unaging and unalterable and unmodified 
will be clear from what has been said to any one who believes in our assumptions our theory seems to confirm experience and to be confirmed by it for all men have some conception of the nature of the gods and all who believe in the existence of gods at all whether barbarian or greek agree in allotting the highest place to the deity surely because they suppose that immortal is linked with immortal and regard any other supposition as inconceivable if then there is as there certainly is anything divine what we have just said about the primary bodily substance was well said the mere evidence of the senses is enough to convince us of this at least with human certainty for in the whole range of time past so far as our inherited records reach no change appears to have taken place either in the whole scheme of the outermost heaven or in any of its proper parts the common name too which has been handed down from our distant ancestors even to our own day seems to show that they conceived of it in the fashion which we have been expressing the same ideas one must believe recur in men's minds not once or twice but again and again and so implying that the primary body is something else beyond earth fire air and water they gave the highest place a name of its own ether derived from the fact that it quote, runs always close quote, for an eternity of time anaxagoras however scandalously misuses this name taking ether as equivalent to fire it is also clear from what has been said why the number of what we call simple bodies cannot be greater than it is the motion of a simple body must itself be simple and we assert that there are only these two simple motions the circular and the straight the latter being subdivided into motion away from and motion towards the centre chapter four that there is no other form of motion opposed as contrary to the circular may be proved in various ways in the first place there is an obvious tendency to oppose the straight line to the circular for concave and convex are not only regarded as opposed to one another but they are also coupled together and treated as a unity in opposition to the straight and so if there is a contrary to circular motion motion in a straight line must be recognized as having the best claim to that name but the two forms of rectilinear motion are opposed to one another by reason of their places for up and down is a difference and a contrary opposition in place secondly it may be thought that the same reasoning which holds good of the rectilinear path applies also to the circular movement from a to b being opposed as contrary to movement from b to a but what is meant is still rectilinear motion for that is limited to a single path while the circular paths which pass through the same two points are infinite in number even if we are confined to the single semicircle and the opposition is between movement from c to d and from d to c along that semicircle the case is no better for the motion is the same as that along the diameter 
since we invariably regard the distance between two points as the length of the straight line which joins them it is no more satisfactory to construct a circle and treat motion along one semicircle as contrary to motion along the other for example taking a complete circle motion from e to f on the semicircle g may be opposed to motion from f to e on the semicircle h but even supposing these are contraries it in no way follows that the reverse motions on the complete circumference are contraries nor again can motion along the circle from a to b be regarded as the contrary of motion from a to c for the motion goes from the same point towards the same point and contrary motion was distinguished as motion from a contrary to its contrary and even if the motion round a circle is the contrary of the reverse motion one of the two would be ineffective for both move to the same point because that which moves in a circle at whatever point it begins must necessarily pass through all the contrary places alike by contrarieties of place i mean up and down back and front and right and left and the contrary oppositions of movements are determined by those of places one of the motions then would be ineffective for if the two motions were of equal strength there would be no movement either way and if one of the two were preponderant the other would be inoperative so that if both bodies were there one of them inasmuch as it would not be moving with its own movement would be useless in the sense in which a shoe is useless when it is not worn but god and nature create nothing that has not its use end of chapter four recording in memory of mitchell edwards